It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. Well, another day, another day, another day, and life goes on, doesn't it, Rich? Um, I was yes. thinking, I was thinking uh, during the past, uh, you know, election season and everything that we've gotten involved with, we have met so many people. And, you know, when you're involved in something like an election, uh, it's, it's hard to gauge the people you meet. Everybody, everybody's a nice guy. Everybody wants to do the right thing. Everybody has the best interests of, of um, the nation as well as the, the principles at heart, except there are then those that really, really catch your attention because they mean it and they have their own testimony. That's right, Dad. I don't know if you're wanting me to introduce our guest yet, but he is one of the people that we were blessed to meet during this whole long extended campaign period. We met some wonderful people, including the fellow that we're going to be talking tell to you today. What, we met Buddy Pilgrim, and uh, and he certainly seemed to be fast on his feet and and quick and everything else. But the more we got to know him, the more we just had sweet Christian fellowship with him. And uh, and cover the whole waterfront. So anyway, he's our guest on the on the line here now for the complete story as to where we are now, buddy. Welcome. Thank you so much, Dick and Rich. It's uh, you two guys have both been a tremendous blessing to me. It's been an honor to be on your program several times and to to become friends with you and to get to know you and to know what you two have done for this country and for the Christian community in keeping people informed and informed in the right way. So God bless you and thank you. I'm happy to be here. You know, maybe one thing we've, we are in the process of learning is God has a plan. God has a plan, and it's up to us to follow the doors that he opens uh, as he chooses to do so. It would, what would you respond to that? Well, I do think God has a plan. I'll, I'm one that always believes, though, that God put, puts responsibility upon us to uh, to take action, though. I, mm-hmm. I, I say it this way. God wants to rule over us, and he wants us to rule over the earth. He told us in Genesis 1, he said, subdue the earth, rule over it, and have dominion over every living thing. And that's not dominion in terms of creating a theocracy where we dictate to others in theocratic terms, but it is the fact that I believe God wants godly people to be in positions of power and responsibility, and he wants all of us, regardless of what positions of power and responsibility we're in, to take actions and to vote in a way that reflect the values that he would have us reflect, the values that are set forth in the Bible. So You're absolutely right, buddy. God does have a plan, and that plan involves us. Yeah. The very first word of the Great Commission is go, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah. Now, now, tell us... Um, I want our listeners to get to know you. Uh, tell us your testimony, because you're a believer in Jesus Christ. The Lord has used you throughout your life. And tell us your testimony and what you're doing currently. Well, I am a believer, and if I could sum up the calling or the purpose, uh, I think purpose is an important thing in all of our lives to understand that. If I could sum up the purpose that I think God has for my life, it's to apply His Word, His teaching, His principles to business and politics. 
So my background has been in the business world. I used to be the president of Pilgrim's Pride Corporation, which today is the second largest chicken company in the world. It's a multi-billion dollar publicly traded chicken company. I'm not associated with Pilgrim's anymore. I've left there several years ago. The company's been sold. Not I don't have any involvement in it, but I spent many years in the chicken business as the president of that multi-billion dollar company. Then I ran another chicken company after that as a turnaround manager. But all through my years in the chicken business, I knew that my calling connected the word in the workplace. And mm-hmm. from the very first business card I ever had printed when I got out of college, I had Romans 8.28 printed on the back of that. And we know that God causes all things to work together for those who are called according to his purpose, that word I used a minute ago. Uh, so I've always had this connection between the word and the workplace. When I left Pilgrims, one of the first things that I did was I formed a ministry called Integrity Leadership, a specific organization that was designed solely to teach the word for the workplace and politics. There are a few people out there that teach biblical finance principles or biblical leadership principles, things like that. I'm a little different than what they do. I almost am probably the only one that teaches that the Bible is the foundational basis for capitalism and free markets. And the Bible teaches us how to be involved in the political community as well. Okay, now wait a minute. Now, when you say you're almost the only one that teaches that, that really is a big shame because more people should teach it. It's in the Bible. Well, it is. And I don't know why there aren't more that have taught it. I just know this is what I'm called to teach. I'm called to teach that business isn't the world system that man's involved in. It's actually God's system that we should be involved in and in charge of. In a biblical way, in a biblical way, applying biblical principles. Well, absolutely. In fact, I, I say it this way sometimes. God created and designed us what I call individually insufficient such that we not only need him in our lives, we need each other in our lives, and we are more productive and and produce more and are more prosperous when we engage in, engage in exchange with one another because of the different talents and skills that we have. So the division of labor, which is the foundation for capitalism, is designed into us by God. And that's part of what I teach in my ministry. And I'm also very involved in politics, and that's why I got... I've been involved in many presidential campaigns over the last few years. Most recently in this uh, election cycle, I was uh, Senator Ted Cruz's national director for faith and religious liberty. That's where I got involved with you guys. And and after Senator Cruz has withdrew from the race or suspended his campaign, I've been actively working to get uh, the faith community to support uh, Donald Trump over uh, Hillary Clinton. And the reason I did that is because it was a simple choice for me of life versus death. Yes. The Bible tells us choose life, and I'm not telling you Donald uh, Trump was the perfect candidate by any means. There are many, uh-huh. there are many flaws he has, and many things I didn't like about him. But he was pro-life, hmm. and that alone is enough to choose him over someone who was blatantly pro-abortion, and he was also a strong supporter of our religious freedom in this country. Yes. In fact, he says one of the things he wants to do is overturn the Johnson Amendment. Uh huh. So now, listen, the, the Bible says, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Isn't Absolutely. that powerful? Uh, there have been those that have said this has been the most important election 
in our lifetime. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Each of the last two elections, I've said that, and this one has exceeded those. And the reason it exceeded those is because in the last uh, almost eight years now, this country has been headed on an extremely rapid pace down the road towards socialism and down the road to serfdom. And we had to stop that. If we had not stopped it with this new president, uh, we would be in a position to make it almost irreversible in another four or eight years from now. We do not need to become a socialist. Explain the word serfdom. You know, I want our audience to catch that, serfdom. Oh, gee. Uh, Serfdom, when we become subservient to the government is one of the ways that I like. When we become serfs, only to do the bidding of the government. Yes. And we were headed in that direction. If you listen to the policies of the, the Democrats, almost every policy they talk about is one that makes people more dependent upon government rather than more independent from government. And God would have us to be independent. The only one he wants us to be dependent upon is him, not upon government for all that we need. You know, most of the some of the some of the Democrats like to try to argue against uh, conservative values by saying there are many things that are moral issues. We talk about abortion as being a moral issue, and it certainly is. Uh, the the homosexual agenda is a morality issue. So liberals often try to say, well, poverty is a moral issue. Social security is a moral issue. Um, Medicare is a moral issue. Let me say this. I think think education, however, is a moral issue because when that baby is born, if the baby doesn't have the freedom to learn and to grow mentally and emotionally and spiritually along with physically – that becomes a moral problem. Well, that is absolutely true. And the ability to get that education is a freedom issue, and freedom is a moral issue. But the point I wanted to make about those other issues is is this. Poverty is not a moral issue. It's a financial issue. Medicare is a financial issue. Social Security is a financial issue. Health insurance and access to health care is a financial issue. And when we have a country that can produce a prosperous economy using biblical principles in the business environment, people will be able to go out and buy their own health care. They will be able to buy the things that they need in their life. You won't need free college. I would rather be able to pay for college than have to be given free college. So all of those issues that they try to frame as moral issues are really financial issues. And I think that's one of the reasons we're going to see this country turn around. Donald Trump's going to help make this country more prosperous from a business perspective. Our guest today on The Complete Story is Buddy Pilgrim. Buddy, we want to get into what comes next now with you in just a little bit. But before we do that, I want to read what we just received. This came in three hours ago as we're recording this from Franklin Graham. And this is what he had to say on this posting. He says, did God show up? In watching the news after the election, the secular media kept asking, how did this happen? What went wrong? How did we miss this? Some are in shock. Political pundits are stunned. Many thought the Trump-Pence ticket didn't have a chance. None of them understood or understand the God factor. Hundreds of thousands of Christians from across the United States have been praying This year, they came out to every state capital to pray for this election and for the future of America. Prayer groups were started, families prayed, churches prayed, then Christians went to the polls, and God showed up. 
While the media scratches their heads and tries to understand how this happened, I believe, this is Franklin Graham speaking, I believe that God's hand intervened Tuesday night to stop the godless, atheistic, progressive agenda from taking control of our country. President-elect Donald J. Trump and Vice President-elect Mike Pence are going to need a lot of help, and they will continue to need a lot of prayer. I pray that President-elect Trump will surround himself with godly men and women to help advise and counsel him as he leads the nation. My prayer is that God will bless America again. And Buddy Pilgrim, you are one of those people that are surrounding Donald Trump at this time. Well, that uh, I, that piece that you just read from Franklin Graham is well said, and thank you, Rich, for your comment about me. I, I, I don't know that I have that much influence on Donald Trump, but I pray that whatever influence I have is is godly and is uh, filled with wisdom. We all need to be praying for him, and Franklin is right in terms of what happened on election night. God showed up. And going back to the comment you made a minute ago, the scripture you read that says, go into all the world. When God shows up, he shows up through the work in the hand of his people. He shows up through us and the things that he leads us to do. This election was won by the largest turnout of evangelical voters in the history of this country, at least in the history of since it's been measured. And 81% of the evangelical vote voted for Donald Trump. So... I knew that that had to take place. When I met with Senator Ted Cruz on April the 23rd of 2015, I hadn't decided even yet whether or not to support him. I told him that it didn't matter who was at the top of the ticket in 2016, that unless we turned out the largest group of evangelical voters in the history of this country, no Republican could win. And if we fail to turn out that that base, that big base of evangelical voters, no Republican could win. So we had to do it, and we did it. And we changed the course of this country. Evangelical Christians, conservative Jews, and conservative Catholics, people of faith, turned out and voted Judeo-Christian values, and that did exactly what Franklin Graham said. It stopped the path we were on. Let me bring this up that was very impressive to me. Donald Trump And I'll tell you, there's been a lot of Republican presidents and a lot of Democrat presidents and all that, on and on and on. Donald Trump is the first one that said, I have a heart to really make a difference and a change in America's inner cities. And we are going to build them so that we can be proud of the inner cities of America, not just treat them as plantations and where people are are caught and and they're just, see, living in terrible situations. Now, I tell you what, that really got my attention because I think every city is one city. And if the church and the people who really care to be leaders are not concerned about every facet of that city and every part of that town, why, then they're missing the mark. And maybe they're just exploiting people and uh, wanting to talk about somebody's misery rather than really doing something about it. And when Donald Trump was the one to speak to that issue, it caught my attention. And I think when he reached into the African-American community and the African-American churches, why they were surprised because here's a fellow who who really not only has a different story, but he seems to really mean it. He does mean it. How unusual it is that someone who has 
is a very wealthy, multi-billion-dollar billionaire can better relate to the average American than so many other politicians around this country. I've heard people refer to him as the blue-collar billionaire. <laughs> but, but, buddy, wouldn't you agree that a lot of people voted for the Republican ticket? They voted for the Trump-Pence ticket and the platform and the policies that they were promoting. Um, you know, there, there may have been dis- disagreements sometimes with some of the personalities, but people were voting for life. They were voting for religious liberty. They were voting for an opportunity for America re- to return and for the churches to have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. I, I know uh, as Christian broadcasters, we are relieved that, that this cloud of uh, potential um, oppression has been lifted, it would appear. And I'm so thrilled that it appears that we will have a Scalia-like justice Amen. appointed to replace Justice Antonin Scalia on the Supreme Court, and hopefully and prayerfully maybe three or four other Supreme Court appointments. And that has the opportunity in our lifetime to see Roe versus Wade overturned, to see Amen. religious liberty upheld, and to see a return to a proper understanding of the Constitution of the United States. Buddy, let me ask you this, because there's a lot of ramifications to this uh, election, and one of them is our foreign policy, and in particular, our relationship with the nation of Israel. And I was excited to see that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was one of the very first who reached out to congratulate Donald Trump as he's now the president-elect Donald Trump with this video message. My friend, congratulations on being elected president of the United States of America. You are a great friend of Israel. Over the years, you've expressed your support consistently, and I deeply appreciate it. I look forward to working with you to advance security, prosperity, and peace. Israel is grateful for the broad support it enjoys among the American people, and I'm confident that the two of us, working closely together, will bring the great alliance between our two countries to even greater heights. May God bless America. May God bless Israel. May God bless our enduring alliance. Excuse me, but, you know, it just now occurred to me that all of our broadcasters, the preachers, the Bible, he who blesses Israel, God said he will then bless them. And when I heard Prime Minister Netanyahu say, you have always been, America's been our friend, America stood with us, but that hasn't been the case the last few years, and it certainly wouldn't have been the case if Hillary Clinton would have been elected. Is it possible? Is it possible that this is just another indication that God, God made his choice? You know, buddy, you have mentioned we want godly leaders. That isn't, however, to say that Donald Trump is a godly leader, but God chooses whom he will. And this certainly seems to be the case at this time. And I also think Donald Trump is a different person than he was a year ago. Certainly than 11 years ago. Because while he has been uh, referred to as the billionaire blue-collar guy, I think he has had to go through America from one state to the next and meet people and think about them and hear their stories. His entire family has been deeply, deeply involved in the lives of people, and that has to have changed his whole his whole sense of not only what he believes but what he felt as he was doing it. What say you? 
I think he is a changed man. I've met with him several times. You can see how impacted he has been by the reaction that America has had to him. Even though some some might think of him as a proud man, any it's hard to have been in a well. Let's say a boastful man, a proud man. Yeah, yeah I mean sometimes proud, he's proud. been kind of a buffoon, <laughs> but. I want to tell you this. He has been humbled by this process. And I've been with him a few times and seen the impact of that humbling. James Robison of Life Outreach is a very good friend of mine. I know you all know James as yes. well. James has probably spent more time with Donald Trump counseling him from a Christian perspective than anyone else I know. Robert Jeffords has spent time with him as well. Robert's a friend of mine here in Dallas. But James in particular says he has seen a dramatic change in the spirit of this man and how humbled he is and how teachable he is. He wants to do the right thing for this country, and he wants to do the God-led thing, the godly thing for this country as well. Yes, and he put together a committee of, of Christian leaders to, to work with him and counsel him. It includes James Dobson. It includes Jim Garlow. It includes I, I, I a lot what, of people. I tell I you what, David Jeremiah it involved is another his one. choice of Kellyanne Conway. Yes. Now, we know her, and she's a Christian. Yes, she is. And, uh, and, we, and I tell you what, when he chose her, to, you know, to, to kind of, and I tell you, there was a difference that was coming out in a hurry because mm-hmm. Kellyanne Conway was was saying, now, listen, you better sit down and listen um, because I'm going to talk Dutch uncle to you. <laughs> you could kind of feel that. And, well, I'm, yeah, I know Kellyanne, too, and you're right. She's a wonderful, unapologetic Christian. She is led by the Spirit of God, and frankly, so is Mike Pence. You yes. Know, nearly every time Mike Pence introduces himself, he says, I am a Christian first, a conservative second, and a Republican third. That's a good prioritization. It sure is. And we have to give Donald Trump credit for selecting someone like Mike Pence to be the vice president, who is also going to serve as the president of the Senate. That's a very important role, especially with so many of these legislative things that need to take place. Uh, Buddy, I don't know where you were on election night. Uh, For all I know, you may have been in New York City. But I was at home watching my TV late, late, late into the night and into the early morning waiting to see the final result, and then waiting to see Donald Trump's speech. And we have some excerpts we want to share with our listeners. Let's see if this brings back some memories, because Donald Trump, one of the very first things he did was to call for unity, to call for the country to come together. Now it's time for America to bind the wounds of division. have to get together. To all Republicans and Democrats and independents across this nation, I say it is time for us to come together as one united people. It's time. We need to come together. We need to pray for him. In his speech, one of the very first things out of his mouth was, something about rebuilding the inner cities. Uh-huh. He had on his mind and his heart the the urban poor, the inner cities, and what we can do as a nation. i tell you what I loved. He was talking to Americans. He was saying, listen, now, African-American or, or uh, any other color or any other people, if you're an American, let's come together as a family. Let's sit down and work together because we are Americans. That's kind of what I heard. Well, he did call for unity, not division, and that's a tremendous difference between Donald Trump and the president that we have now. I often said that President Obama won, particularly in 2008, but also in 2012, 
because he created constituencies that he that he motivated and he created these constituencies by dividing black against white rich against poor worker against employer all of these various constituencies he divided and conquered donald trump is going to unite this country i believe and i think he meant what he said just a few minutes ago he does want us to come together I w- on election eve i was uh, actually on air i was broadcasting from kenneth copeland ministries me and david barton and congresswoman michelle bachman were part of a team of people that were doing live broadcast over the internet and over uh, uh, bbov tv to give a christian-based perspective on the election returns and we after the returns came in and he won we were standing there watching that speech together and we just looked at each uh-huh. other about how refreshing it is to have a president coming in who genuinely wants to unite this country. And, Rich, going back to what you said about the inner city, part of the way he will do that is by renewing the inner city, and he'll re- he'll do it by bringing business back to the inner city. That's yes. what I said at the beginning of this broadcast. If business is God's system, business is the only, because of the way he designed us, right. designed us to exchange with one another. And a business transaction is the only thing that manifests, that brings about prosperity. Well, so, so if you want a city, an individual, a county, a city, a nation to be prosperous, you bring business back to that environment. Donald Trump's a businessman that'll bring business to the inner city. Well, that'll help those inner city poor people. And, and the only way for business to work is for somebody to provide a product or a service that somebody wants to purchase and thereby filling a need. Now listen, uh, more not only did more evangelicals show up at the polls, but a higher percentage of African Americans supported the Republican nominee, a yeah. higher percentage of Hispanics supported the Republican nominee. So he really is interested in bringing folks together. But this is is what he said in his speech late at night about three o'clock in the morning about the inner city we are going to fix our inner cities and rebuild our highways bridges tunnels airports schools hospitals we're going to rebuild our infrastructure which will become by the way second to none and we will put millions of our people to work as we rebuild it And in that connection, this is what he had to say about the American dream. Working together, we will begin the urgent task of rebuilding our nation and renewing the American dream. I've spent my entire life in business looking at the untapped potential in projects and in people all over the world. That is now what I want to do for our country. Tremendous potential. I've gotten to know our country so well. Tremendous potential. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Every single American will have the opportunity to realize his or her fullest potential. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. Uh, Buddy, I want to mention also now, uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I see these young people, as I see them, uh, not rioting, but marching in the streets and and carrying on and up and down. And they were doing it in Chicago and in New York and in Oakland, California, uh, Seattle, all over the place. And then I heard a television announcer ask one, you know, 
well, exactly what is the problem? And they said, well, we don't like Donald Trump. We're not going to have him. And, um, well, why, why? And they couldn't really have an answer. And I thought, well, where did they get that idea? And it all of a sudden it occurred to me that this is the age of the people. They're supposed to be in college or they're supposed to have a job. What are they going to be doing tomorrow morning? They're going to be sleeping in. I'll tell you, that's what they're going to be doing. Then They're not going to be out working or producing or building or growing or making a difference. All they know is what some university professor has been telling them, and so they're out there parroting that. What, what say you? Well, unfortunately, those are uh, a byproduct of the failure of our educational system under liberalism over the last 40 years in this country, in particular at the high school and the college level, where so much of the uh, education system has been taken over with liberal ideology. And then that has been, ta- has been preyed upon by people like George Soros, who fund organizations underground that have a few paid leaders that send out social media uh, contacts to people. These are organized uh, protests around the country. They don't just pop up spontaneously. They're organized. They're well-funded by people like George Soros on the left. And those are Saul Alinsky tactics. Those tactics are to create chaos to undermine an organized society. And it's frankly one of the things that we as Christians absolutely have to have at the top of our prayer list for Donald Trump because he is going to meet with wide opposition, organized opposition from those leftists that are funded by people like Soros to stir up anarchy and chaos. And we need to pray for him, for him to have the strength and the wisdom to make the decisions that he needs to make. The other thing we need to pray for him about is not only does he have, uh, what is it, 17 or 19 cabinet uh, seats to fill, he's going to have about 5,000 appointees, political appointee positions to fill in the government. We need to pray that he has wisdom and guidance from godly people uh, in filling every one of those positions, because how he fills those positions will affect how this country responds to those people in the street. Amen. Well, listen, we're out of time, but God bless you, Buddy Pilgrim. We'd like to visit with you from time to time. This is Dick Bott with his chapter, The Complete Story, as a public service, and I'll see you later. 